0: Welcome to, oh hey, Great Shot, this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Brackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another edition of The Deciding Point, our breakdown of everything Happening in the Division I college tennis world, of course, this podcast going to be our penultimate edition of the show, breaking down all things national indoor championships as our 2024 men's championship match is now officially set. It will be top seeded Ohio State taking on second-seeded and two-time defending indoor champions TCU. On today's podcast, what we want to do for all of you college tennis fans tuning in is break down how we've reached this championship Monday. Recap each of our semifinals from Sunday. Both of them, yes, a little bit lopsided from a 30,000 foot view scoreline. But once we dive into the details, as we will on today's show, all of you will understand just how compelling Sunday's action was here at the Milstein Family Tennis Center. And joining me on the podcast to help Break it all down is the same man who has joined me each and every night throughout the course of these 2024 National Indoor Championships. Of course, he also joins me each and every week as my co-host on these episodes of The Deciding Point as he and you are. All know him, excuse me, of course, as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions, never far from the listed UTR, one of the many games to root for the Liberty Flames. Now, of course, a lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, the man I know as the professor. It's Chris it's Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome to the show, my friend. Semi-final Sunday in the books. Our championship match is set. How are you feeling as we look at
2: our final match of this event? Uh, I mean, feeling great. It's, it's exactly what we expected to get. You kind of like the years when you get what you expect in the final. We're getting the two best teams for indoors. Uh, there's no doubt to to meet in the finals. and And that's all you can ask for.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Again, it's been about a decade since we've seen a team reach three consecutive national indoor finals. The USC Trojans actually did it from 2013 to 2015. And I'm actually, I'm thinking back, I'm like, could I do a single player on those teams? Of course I can. Sarmiento, Honfman, Kiros. It's starting to occur to me now that they actually won the NCAA title in 2014. Of course, the 2013 team was the first post Stevie D win hangover squad that lost to eventual national champions, Virginia. But The point is, it's been about a decade since we've seen a team make three consecutive finals. And that statement is a testament uh, to how impressive it is that TCU has accomplished that fact. On the other side of the equation, though, Buckeyes looked like a well-oiled machine today. And again, success these past three seasons, January, February, the resumes the Buckeyes have put together. This feels like a crowning moment for this particular iteration of the Ohio State Men's Tennis Program, as this group has done everything but reach a national champion, uh, excuse me, capture a national championship, albeit at the ITA, National Indoors, or the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, the scene is set. It is going to be a phenomenal championship Monday. And, of course, on today's show, we want to break down our semifinals in depth in case you missed out on any of our action. Recap everything we saw unfold over the last six and a half hours here at the Milstein Family Tennis Center. That, of course, starts with Virginia, Ohio State, This rivalry has meant everything. And for the Buckeyes to overcome this particular Virginia program, two-time defending national champions, Virginia as well, it's not just that they got the win. It's how they got the win, right? And I think, first and foremost, we have to talk about the ending of doubles, a couple of lopsided sets, Hopper and Graziani seemingly almost out of nowhere, dominant today over a Canon Kingsley and J.J. Tracy pairing that had lost just two games entering this semifinal round at the top spot. Finally, Andrew Luchanik, Justin Boulay seemed to find their footing. They ride one break all the way to a 6-4 set. Then we had the drama of number three doubles and the single most significant lineup change made on the day was Iñaki Montez inserted into the doubles lineup. The senior who is the beating heart of these University of Virginia Cavaliers. I'm sure he went to Coach Pedroso. I'm sure he went to Tret Huey. I'm sure he went to Brian Rasmussen and said, hey, I'm playing today. Like, just look, you're not keeping me off the court. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I just won a singles match in the quarters serving underhand. Doubles might be a little bit more different, uh, difficult tactically, but You just can't leave me out of this semifinal match against the Bucs. And obviously the case he made was awfully compelling. He's inserted into the lineup. By the way, he and freshman Dylan Dietrich had break leads at multiple points against Robert Cash and Alex Bernard, their opponents. And for the third consecutive match, it came down to Robert Cash in the doubles point for the Buckeyes for the first time over the course of the weekend. Robert Cash delivers, and the Buckeyes take the doubles point. And look, the tactics of playing doubles against someone serving underhand, the fact that at times Robert Cash would serve in volley while Alex Bernard actually stayed back on Cash's serves, so many different fascinating tactical wrinkles. But Chris Hallioris, when we look back at this match, what? three months from now, whenever it is that these two teams ultimately end up facing off against one another. Once again, we will all remember what happened at the start of that deciding breaker on the number three doubles point. Very first point ball is hit out onto the baseline. I forget if it was Bernie or cash who hit it. Dylan Dietrich calls the ball out chair umpire confirms the out call and and head coach Andreas Pedroso overrules both the chair and his players. It cedes the point to the Buckeyes. They never looked back in that deciding breaker. 7-6 decision to clinch the 1-0 lead for Ohio State. And look, big picture, by the way, and I feel so much better about these three minutes. Hopefully, Westoff will find an ability to edit out all that came before that five and a half minute mark. But more broadly, Chris... It was a doubles point Ohio State had to have just from a confidence boosting perspective to, you know, start to tell yourself, hey, we believe we can beat this Virginia squad that has the M.O., has the cachet of a two time defending NCAA champion. Ohio State had to have the doubles and for Coach Pedroso to offer up, dare I say, that sort of gift to the Buckeyes to start the breaker. First of all, talk about mortal fortitude. Talk about uh, moral fortitude, excuse me, moral clarity, and just for Andreas Pedroso to do that. The amount of texts I received from coaches, pundits like us in this business, heaping praise onto Andreas for doing that in that moment. David Rodidi came up to me immediately after the match and said, If you don't lead the podcast by complimenting Andreas, I will find you tomorrow because for years, Coach Rodidi has been pleading for coaches to make those sort of overrules. Hell, Rodini's the only coach other than Andres Pedroso I've ever seen actually go out and overrule their player. We all would like to think that in a moment like that, we would rise to the occasion, do, dare I say, the quote-unquote right thing. And, you know, again, if an overrule was justified make that decision, no (laughs) chance any of us actually would. Like, again, I had conversations with coaches like, You think I'm going to overrule my team like semifinals of a national championship, you know, against the number one ranked team in the country when I know we need every edge we can get? What a moment. What a doubles point. What a way to start the day. I apologize for the lengthy monologue there, Chris, your reaction to everything we saw through that first doubles point, the overrule, all of it, because boy, was it a tone setter.
2: What? Yeah, I mean, there were two things there, obviously. One is the overrule from from Pedroso, which is, I mean, outstanding. Obviously, in hindsight, everyone's going to credit him for it. But, you know, I'll go back to my, you know, my bringing my nephew up in the, in the early days through the junior tennis saying, I would do the exact same thing. If I see you hook somebody on the court, I will walk out there and overrule the call and I will default you in the match. And like, there's just no, you know, that's what the coaches need to do. And the fact that he would do it on such a big stage is just amazing. Makes him just hands down immediately. One of my favorite guys when, when that happened now, On the other hand, the fact that you're going to play a guy, and it almost worked, but you're going to play a guy serving underhanded. I wouldn't play Novak Djokovic serving underhand in doubles in college. It's just not going to happen. Like the serve, like a power, you don't need a power serve in doubles. It's more about placement than it is power. But when you're hitting a forehand, you can't even really place it that well. I think that's just that was crazy ballsy, and it almost worked. Like you said, they had break leads, and they just didn't make it stick. I I think that was just a crazy ballsy decision, and the and the way they played, it was probably the right one. I mean, I'll I'll give them credit. It, it I would I thought initially there's no way this is ridiculous. You can't do it, and and they made it look good. I will say on the flip side, when you said Ohio State had to have the doubles, I actually, given the way it ended, and I kind of thought we might end this way after the doubles point, I really, really, really wish Virginia had taken that doubles point because had they, we would have definitely probably been in for a long 4-3 match. You know, it's 4-0 on the scoreboard, but every other match looked like it had Virginia written on it and this could have been you know this would have been great to come down scoreboard wise had it not gone that way, but uh, yeah, that's all my thoughts on the doubles.
0: That's a really good point by you um a couple of things there like i I agree with you that for the long term perspective of the match, had Virginia taken the doubles and taken that one o lead and all the rest of the singles unfold accordingly, you're absolutely right. We would have had a three one scenario with what. Third set for Odesh. Third set for von der Schulenberg. Like, would have had to have been both played out. The third set for Dietrich Boulay as well. That would have been delightful from a drama perspective. But I stand by my point of mentally, I think Ohio State had, had, had to f- have that doubles point. Because if you lose not just the doubles point to Virginia, A- It would have been their fourth consecutive doubles point dropped, Chris, for an Ohio State team that doesn't drop four doubles points in a season, let alone four consecutively. Would have been a fourth consecutive doubles point dropped. And then there's just the other little dagger into the side of your chest. If you're an Ohio State fan, you would have lost a double set to a guy who was serving underhand like that at this level. I know it's easy for us to say in the broadcast booth, but at this level, That would have been unacceptable. Like we said it in our preview last night. If you lose to an underhand serving in Yaki Montez, you do not deserve to beat this Virginia team. And this is where I have to give all the credit in the world to Robert Cash, Alex Bernard, and the Ohio State coaching staff who were riding this number three doubles team after every single point. I had something to say. Pro had something to say. Torp was just there fist pumping, doing his thing, and that's why he's the perfect complement to, again, the Tucker Crow coaching staff that has had all this success. But they were calling the plays individually, Chris. They were calling, hey, Robert, you're going to serve in volley while Bernie actually stays back. Bernie, hit your forehand, just like all these different things, right? It was very clear that they were taking an active role in trying to problem-solve their way through that tie-break. And that's why I think had Ohio State lost it, look, they probably still would have won the match because 3-1 decision with three-third setters on, give me the team that just needs to win one of those three-set matches. But the mental edge of getting through that doubles, when you were down breaks early, when you, again, like, have lost to this Virginia team in the NCAA final. And you know Tournament Virginia is just a different beast. By the way, Tournament Virginia took the doubles point in last year's NCAA final over the bucks. And it just felt like the Bucks never recovered from there. Credit to Robert Cash, man. Like, if he would have gone 0-3 in those clinching double sets for a guy who I have come onto this podcast and said, I think he's one of the 50 best doubles players, not in the college country, no, 50 best doubles players in the world. It would have been an abject disaster, and not only did they avoid that, they went out and took that third set, uh, that that breaker, excuse me, in a way that had you thinking, like, sorry for swearing again. Where the f- was that through the first thirty-five minutes, forty-five minutes of that set? Because man, once you figured out what you wanted to do, life got real easy. Robert Cash started spiking everything in sight. Birdie was dipping things low, setting him up perfectly. Now again. Oh, my God, you have to give credit to Iñaki Montez, who was poaching like a madman. And his energy is what got the who's to that breaker at the three double spot. Ultimately, I know he's serving underhand. I think it was the right decision to play him. But I know that's a, that's a long rant on the doubles point for what was clearly, in my opinion, the most significant point of the match, because you're just not going to find four singles points against the Buckeyes indoors. Chris Alley, encounters counters to my counter?
2: to your counter. Yeah, no, I mean I I think it's I think it's valid. I I just it's it's just in my you know in the end to me it's all just unfortunate. And I think when we get to May I have no doubts that we will probably see this matchup again. I hope we see this matchup again uh in the NCAA tournament and that it's under different circumstances with a fully healthy serving Iñaki Montes. It's just you know, they were under the gun. They didn't have a lot of choices and they did what they had to do. And it's, it's just unfortunate where they were.
0: Yeah. I, it's well said, but you know, again, if you are of this Virginia team that has not played in Yaki Montez once in doubles this season, like a Rodesh and von der Schulenberg go one and two overall on the weekend. They looked fine as a number one doubles pairing, like a seven, six loss, a six, four loss that featured one break. That's going to happen at the number one double spot for Hopper and Graziani to bounce back the way they did today at two over that Kingsley. That was totally unexpected. The most unexpected result of the entire day, perhaps. Any result we saw in our semifinal. There's a lot to build on for the who's in doubles moving forward. And again, I, it's just like, I don't know if we've talked about it enough. Andres overruled this player to start a deciding breaker. And again, I know I'm repeating myself here. You like to think you'd have the moral clarity, the fortitude, the confidence of self, the confidence of your team to make a decision like that and hope it doesn't impact anything moving forward. I just think it did. I thought the vibes were off for Virginia for the rest of that breaker. Montez got overruled again on an ace wide as well. It's just like it all started to break the way of the Buckeyes from there. And look, what we saw from Ohio State in singles today was nothing short of extraordinary. They flexed their depth. On us once again. And right now, your most outstanding player for Ohio State, should they win tomorrow? It's Alex Bernard. He's dropped seven games, Chris. Seven games in six sets of tennis. Do the math there. You don't have to be the professor Chris Alioris to know that's one and one, uh, excuse me, one in one seventh, right? Games per set. Like, or one in one sixth, excuse me, games per set. That's that's crazy. Um that's part one. I'm going
2: to, I'm going to say, Ruskin, you, you'd have to go back several episodes, right. To, to catch this clip from me. And I, I said it then I stand by it now, which is why I think they are clearly the favorite right now. There is not a single team in the country outside of Ohio state where I could make the statement I made. I said it, then I'll say it now. You let me play Alex Bernard one through six, I will play that team against anyone in the country, and I'm confident I win. You give me the doubles point. You let me play Bernie one through six. He wins three of those matches at all six positions against every single team in the country. Because I'll tell you what, he's not losing a single point at six. He's not losing a single point at five. There are a few teams that will push him at four, but when Invers, he does, under
0: Schulenburg would be fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the team that comes closest to pushing that is Virginia. But you know, or where, in theory, find a way to win one of the other three in that case.
0: In theory, if Texas wakes up, like Py versus him would be fun. But like, it's not a horrible yeah. take
2: by you. He's there's nobody it. else. Like, you're t- you're. Are you going to make that argument with Yurishek? No. Are you going to make that argument with? Harper or Braswell for, for Texas. No, like uh, Gorsi, you're not saying
0: I'd watch the Gorsey Bernie match.
2: Yeah, no, but I'm saying if you, if I ask you to make that argument for the number six player for any no, of those teams, for that, sure,
1: you play for the sure. six
2: player one through six. No, there's no. not another team in the country that you'll take the six guy and say, I'll play him one through six and I'll bet you he wins three matches every time. I'll take that bet with Bernie.
0: I would do six Steigleners just to see what happens. Like, again, like how good is this He didn't this guy? beat the
2: Arizona State number nine. Six Will
0: Cooksies at the National Indoors has a shot for anyone because he's big match stop. Will. Um,
2: stop. Neither one of them could beat the eight and nine from Arizona State today. I'm, so, I'm trying, so just stop now.
0: Six... <laughs> I'm just six <laughs> Valdemar papes. So I could just be team Valdemar. Like that's kind of <laughs> sick. Um, yeah. It's really well said. And look, Tracy clinches over in Yaki in a match that was exactly exactly what we thought it would be Chris Halliouris, But the biggest thing to me about the Buckeyes this week It hasn't been Cannon, who was great against Rodesh. That match was as good as advertised. Two guys who should be the guy in that conversation all year long. You know, oh my God, Dylan Dietrich, you have our attention. He is that good. And to see Boulay have to dig the way he did to force a third. Anthrop versus von der Schulenburg. They were all excellent matches. But Robert Cash is the story right now. At the number five spot, because this is a guy who for five years has just been in and out of the Ohio State singles lineup. And I get indoors. He's going to have a benefit of the doubt in a way outdoors. He still probably has to earn in the mind of a lot of college tennis fans. But, you know, again, the oh, Buckeyes are stacking by playing Bernie at six right now. Like that argument doesn't hold a lot of weight with me because cash is three and oh. On the weekend, he's delivered two clinches for the Buckeyes in their first two matches and now a straight set win over Alex Kiefer at the number five spot, which on the broadcast, that was the one I kept pointing to. Can Kiefer find another gear? Kiefer's always the guy who seems to force that uncomfortable third set for the who's opponents and cash just never allowed him to breathe big serves big forehands. He gets forward with such decisiveness today again. Bobby Cash dinner, like people better be buying him shots at the bar, non-alcoholic because he's got to play tomorrow. But whatever it is they can do to celebrate Bobby Cash's semifinal Sunday, he is the team MVP today. I mean, to clinch in doubles where he was clearly the emotional leader, he was the most aggressive player. And then to get a straight set win, not a three set, a straight set win that was kind of the nail in the coffin, given Montez had to serve underhand today at three, He's the guy I turn to as my MVP of the Buckeye performance. But again, they it was a sweep. It was a different 4-0 than their 4-0 in Columbus a couple of weeks ago. But there was no doubt start to finish. Ohio State was the better team. And Chris Halioris, they finished the job in this match deserving national indoor finalists find any final thoughts on this on either end, either for Ohio state. Yeah, or yeah. Virginia.
2: So, so both ends, you said something that, that, and I was thinking about this beforehand, before we started recording how, how I was going to say this and I'll, and I'll say it this way. I think, I think Ty, I think this is the year and we're going to see if this is the year, but I think this is the year that Ty has set himself up to the point where I don't think you pull Robbie cash when we get outdoors anymore. And if, You leave your lineup as it is and nobody, we can all look at it and go, yeah, once we go outdoors, like Bernie has to move up, but there's nothing that says Ty has to move him up. Let's say that they go outdoors and they play this exact same lineup. They are going to win 90% of their points in doubles. They're going to win 99% of the points at number six with Bernie. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And Cash is still just fine. They're up 2-0 before they get going, and they're going to find two more. I think it's a beautiful recipe for them to set up if they don't go messing around. Now, are they going to go messing around and start bringing, bringing Nakashima into the singles lineup when we get outdoors? I, I don't know. But in my mind, this is a great setup to leave it exactly as is and allow yourself the luxury of playing Bernie at six outdoors when he's not he, hes not even giving up games indoors, and he's better outdoors than he is indoors. It's ridiculous. On the flip side, though, I do want to say we've talked a lot about Ohio State here. I'll, the one overriding thought I had this entire match was – look, if we had a healthy Montez, I don't know where doubles was going, Mm. but even, even if you give Ohio state the doubles, let's say we get a healthy and and Yaki can win his match. We have three matches that actually looked pretty good for Virginia. When we finished with Rodesh, der Schulenburg up a break and the, and the match at two with, with Dietrich. I mean, it's yes, on the scoreboard it's 4-0, but I am I'm I'm all in on the fact that when we come to May, I'd I might still pick Virginia. I don't know like that it is they're they don't need to come out of this feeling bad in the least. Yes.
0: Yeah, no. Uh, two follow-ups on that but quickly just it's the only time he's ever made a funny joke. So I want to give a shout out to our intern, Archid Suresh, who's sitting behind me as we're recording this podcast. Six underhand serving in Yaki Montez's. That's what he texted me as another example. That's pretty funny. Like, I would like to see six underhanded in Yaki Montez's and how they fare against any team oh, in the country. The
2: only sad know. thing is they, they beat me. That's that's <laughs> the saddest part.
0: <laughs> that's not even an accomplishment. Come on, AARP, Chris. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I, um that like, spot on. Spot on. <laughs> On with your analysis there. If you're a Virginia fan, welcome to the 2024 season, finally. Like, I said it at the start. Chris Rodesh is not losing in straight sets to Cannon. Like, that match is going three, and if it finishes, it's 4-3 someone. Von der Schulenberg, Anthrop, looked like two of the top 20 players in the country. They were playing at four singles, Chris. And again, Iñaki Montez was serving underhand underhand, and he's still alive against a J.J. Tracy, who's a top 10 player in the country right now. Like, shout out to Tracy and Ty, who were scheming and doing a little bit of everything to try and make Inyaki uncomfortable. But man, like, Inyaki still hung tough, and he couldn't hit a serve. He could start to hit the overhead a little bit. And I kind of know the shoulder pain he's going through because it's the low to high that's clearly bothering him. When the elbow is already up, he can pronate through a little bit easier. It's the low to high, dare I say, I have that shoulder problem where it just feels like you're getting stabbed when you try and do that motion. And there's just, it's not a pleasant feeling. Virginia almost... Like they just needed to find a point to go their way. And it felt like they could never get easy momentum. Dietrich losing that second set, Von der Schulenberg losing their second set. There was just never a moment for Virginia to seize momentum. But they kept on fighting. Like they they never rolled over. And that's a testament to, again, the character of this team, a reflection of their coach, who, by the way, overruled his player uh in the deciding breaker in doubles. Like, what what a moment. <laughs> The it's last re- thing I, the last thing it's I'll say, ridiculous. yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm not trying to make this a shot here, but like, to end on the Montez overrule, like that's just brutal. It's just a brutal overrule to make on that far sideline. And Andreas was furious at the call, and like, he just overruled this player two hours earlier. Like, it sucks that that's how it had to end because God was that match on three extraordinarily fun. But man, like this one had everything, drama, energy, intensity, and above all else, an extraordinary high level of tennis. Chris, any final thoughts on this match? Are you ready to move on to match two?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say I, I didn't think this was going to be my take coming out. And I think my take coming out of this, because I think both of these teams are great, is absolutely. I thought Ohio State would win here. I think they are going to, you know, I, I think they are the best team at this point in the season and indoors, and they win 4-0, and I can't help but say that my take coming out of this is I think I'm taking Virginia to win the national title in May if Montez is healthy. It's a big if, right? But if if Montez has a shoulder and he's healthy with what I saw from them today, I think I'm probably going to pick him again.
0: Giefer and Dahlberg are always going to be better outdoors. Hopper Graziani obviously going to continue to have uh, opportunities to work their way into the lineup, but 100%. Like, they had the Buckeyes. Like, this was a more competitive match than the Alabama match, I think, if truth be told, even though the scoreline for Alabama-Ohio State was closer than this scoreline ultimately ended. I agree with you in the sense that I think Virginia doesn't walk out of this feeling bad about their... Yeah, prospects, no, exactly. Forward. But 100% Buckeyes they just looked apart the today. They are through to their seventh final in program history where a date with last year's NCAA semifinalists and the two-time reigning national indoor champions TCU awaits. Chris again. Another weird doubles point uh to kick off our semifinal. This one felt like it was all TCU really through the first 30. 35 minutes certainly louis max did duncan chan a top 25 team even though they're playing three doubles in their lineup theirs was never in doubt six three win at the number three spot for tcu you thought after they clinched that with Fernley and pennington jones being up a break pretty much from the start against moroni and thompson that all right TCU was going to take care of business at two they're going to go up one love they're going to Again, be the front runners. we know that they can be against this Wake Forest roster. And yet, that was just anything but the case. A credit to Wake Forest. Coons and Suresh, a top 10 team in the country by ranking right now. Another fantastic performance as they win their top 10 showdown 6-3 over Gorsny and Vives. And then, man, Matthew Thompson. Chris Allioris is going to continue to underrate him in singles, never in the doubles point. If you listened to our preview yesterday, you heard him said he liked Wake Forest in doubles. Well, Chris Allioris, you were spot on in your analysis as Moroni and Thompson from a 4-3 breakdown, final three games of the match they take. It ends with the most brilliant backhand return I've seen all weekend. I've seen all season. I've seen in quite some time. Maroney had one spot he could hit to pass Jake Fernley at the net and somehow he found it and credit to whomever shared this detail with me. I don't remember. Oh, it was C- ITA CEO, Tim Russell. I appreciate his sideline reporting for us. Moroni, after he hits the return of serve, Chris kisses his racket. Cause he knew that was a gift from the gods and it absolutely was one love lead for wake forest. Now you predicted that yesterday, but I am curious after that doubles point, First of all, your thoughts on how the rhythm went. Second of all, were you how concerned were
2: you for TCU heading into singles? I mean, I wasn't concerned at all. I was. I mean, look, that's exactly what we said yesterday. I felt like Wake would sneak that doubles out. They made it very interesting at two. That's my concerning point for TCU moving forward in doubles. It is the two spot honestly? You know, and I love look. I love the, I'll be just as candid as JPJ is. I love your, your, your interviews with him. He is probably the most, you know, everybody gives He's, some political.
0: It's the Brits. It's the Brits. Yeah. The Brits are inherently just honest. They're candid. They're
2: yeah. not going to give some political BS in a post-match interview. And JPJ is a hundred percent candid when he tells you like you, you ask him about the matchup with him, I say He's like, well, I'd love the doubles point. like <laughs> that, was no, so you know, that was just classic. But but it, my analysis is I don't love JPJ at doubles. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the problem. I just, I, I have questions over that two-dubs spot with Fernley and JPJ, and that's the one that ended up, you know, sort of costing them the doubles point. But was I concerned going into the singles? No, I still thought, and as, as we said yesterday, that they were – you know, even if they drop the doubles, they're going to win four singles. That singles lineup is just too good. So no, I wasn't overly concerned.
0: It's a terrible take by you. Uh, I think JPJ is going to be exceptional at the, not exceptional. He's more than fine as a doubles piece. Uh, I love his backhand return of serve. Like again, that ability to draw that ball <laughs> cross. He's playing the deuce side, so he's got to go inside out on that backhand. I think he's fine with it. I think when he connects on the forehand return, obviously there's plenty of pace. I think he's comfortable moving forward. Obviously. He and Fernley are more than comfortable taking some big cuts, certainly from the baseline. And that's what they want to do. They want to beat you down. They want to out singles you right now on the doubles court, but there's just too much talent for Devin Bowen, David Roditi, who are both top 50 doubles players during their pro careers themselves to work with at that two double spot for me to give up on it anytime soon. Now, again, back-to-back losses for them definitive against AM. and m Certainly, uh, Felt like they let one get away from them here today against Wake Forest. But you're right. Like as we moved towards singles, what was so amazing was that within 15 minutes, much like the Buckeyes yesterday against Harvard, within 15 minutes of singles, it was like, oh, wait, wait, TCU is going to be just fine because Burnley <laughs> yeah. was up 4-1 in literally a snap of the finger. Um Who was the other lopsided? Gorsny was up four. Yeah. Snap of the finger. Uh, Maxted was up six one two love in legitimately 28 minutes. Like,
2: never lost an indoor match.
0: Was just never lost. Like, God, you know, I have some TCU takes from these first six weeks that have gotten me in trouble already. Let the record show, listeners. I got to throw some takes out there. Otherwise, this podcast is no fun, but like, I know a guy. I'm not going to say it's me, but I know a guy who said, "Oh yeah, their biggest question marks are at five and six. Like I need to see them have success indoors before I believe it." And it's like, Alex, you know, Louis Maxted's never lost an indoor match before. I now know that, obviously, but that was the most miraculous part: is how quickly they raced out to those first sets on one, four, and five. And look, a credit to freshman Luca Powell. hes real. Four Wake Forest, another straight set win for him at the number six spot. Their one singles point put up on the board. And he was up five love pretty darn fast as well. But man, did TCU respond. You know, JPJ told us Roditi lit him up after the doubles, said it was unacceptable. We got to, you know, again, raise our level, raise our intensity. They did exactly that. And when Vivez takes a 6-4 set at 3 over Matt Thompson, then JPJ closing out that 7-5 set over DK Suresh, which, by the way, featured five consecutive breaks before a JPJ hold to close things out. Five first sets for TCU. And in a match that really only featured two competitive singles battles, the number, you know, two and three single spots, TCU was up in both of them by the time the match ended they had already gotten the win obviously from JPJ before Gorsny ultimately provides the clinch at four the depth is real uh, the strength up top is real Jake Fernley firmly and uh, firmly not firmly Jake Fernley is now firmly ensconced in the guy conversation has to be JPJ though this is my last take Chris and then I'm shutting up it's all you the rest of the way What's the difference between this TCU team and TCU teams have passed? Well, first of all, they don't have Sandra John or Luke Fumba, who are staples of our lives. Certainly. We miss you, Landlord. We miss you, Luke. But they have some dog in them this season, Chris Halliores. JPJ, after every point, the finger was behind the ears saying, you know, what are we doing here um, if we're – Like, Wake Forest bench, who's notoriously loud, notoriously doing all these different things. And, like, I love that. I love the fact that he was looking to Luke Swan on the bench. Luke Swan, for sure, going to lose his voice uh, by the time this weekend is over. Uh, Like, yeah, just, I loved it. I loved the singles performance. Everything I saw. Your thoughts, Chris Allioris.
2: Yeah, look, I... I think the thing that I couldn't have been more impressed with when we got into singles, yeah, like you mentioned, they they were lopsided everywhere except for two matches, and that j p j versus Suresh match i I made it clear last night that I was super impressed with dK. Suresh. He's got such easy power, he generates so many free points. And what what JPJ did to him in turn, like you mentioned, all the breaks, which I would not have seen coming because Suresh gets so many easy points on his serve, is he just made him uncomfortable when when he made the re- he would make the returns and he would just put him back where he got him off balance, and that took away the ability for Suresh, who kind of. He needs that sort of position to lean in and generate that advantage that he has with his long fluid stroke. And, and he kind of dictates the point from there, but, but JPJ was putting the balls in the back corners and getting them on his back heel, hitting the ball. And if you put Suresh on his back heel, that takes away every bit of advantage that he has in his game. And he did it so amazingly well. I couldn't have been more impressed there. And yeah, it was unfortunate that we had so many lopsided matches both ways, right on all the courts. Wow, so easy at six, which might, you know, maybe that's a little concerning point for for TCU over your going forward if if they're not taking doubles points. I mean, look tomorrow, that's a real concern. If they drop doubles and you give Bernie a, a win, that's that's a that's a concerning part for TCU, but everywhere else. I mean, yeah, they they look good, and I couldn't have been more impressed with the way they came out in singles.
0: The only pushback I would give, that was Eurosex first thinker of the season. Like, he just didn't yeah. have it today. And he clinched yesterday. He clinched against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. Like, he has been one of the reasons TCU has started this season undefeated, and despite losing Fumba, Sander Jong are right back to where they were to, uh, throughout the course of last year. You're right, though. Like I said, this tender broadcast, the only point where I feel confident one way is Alex Bernard at six. And that has nothing to do with your second, any doubt in him. It has everything to do. Did you hear our conversation? Six Alex Bernards. Chris feels comfortable riding with that lineup against any team in the country and trying to figure out how he does. But man, like I'll continue to say it. I don't think Gorsney's of the player he'll end up being when it's all said and done because you watch him swing and you're like, hey, man, you know, like how tall you are, how strong you are, how much more racket speed you could probably generate if you wanted to. And again, like I wish you could give uh, Seb Gorsny's size and Jake Fernley's twitchiness and just combine them into one player because – that guy's the number one player in the world. Like that guy has all. And then maybe the dog of JPJ inside as well. You get like that is the perfect player combination there. Uh, and look, even Pedro Vivez, who hasn't been great indoors to be up six, four, five, three on a Matt Thompson, who is such a tough out indoors with the weapons he possesses. A guy might have said earlier this season on this show that he has TCU in a tier below Virginia, Florida. Uh, actually Florida. That's old school. That's a uh, that's a that's a reflex, Chris, from the early 2020s. Give, give us that rewind uh, button left yeah. off. <laughs> uh let's try that again. It's, it's twice now. Uh no, outside of Virginia. Texas, Ohio State, who were the clear-cut top three on paper to start the season. I thought there might be a Delta. uh, Just given, again, I wanted to see, Max, that Yurasek kind of show their worth at that five and six spot. There is no Delta. TCU's, you know, the Delta actually might be between Ohio State, TCU, and everyone else, given where Virginia, uh, Texas have been to start this season. But, no, TCU is excellent. It's an unbelievable win. It's an 11th straight at the National Indoor Championships. They're going to play for a third consecutive title. Chris Allioris, you ready to hear the list of teams that have won three consecutive National Indoor titles? Stanford, Virginia. Virginia. There's your list. Those are the only teams who have won three consecutive titles. TCU can add their name to that list uh, with a victory tomorrow. And look, I want to set the scene for tomorrow's final in a second. But Chris Allioris, both teams are fully healthy. Can Wake Forest beat Virginia in a given ACC regular season or conference tournament match? Do you believe that much more in the Deeks following their run here this past weekend?
2: Uh No and yes. Like, no, they're not beating Virginia if they're both healthy. But yes, I actually do believe that much more in the Deeks. I mean, I, I, yeah, from from what I saw from them this weekend, I I, I needed to see something, and I needed. I told you yesterday this was going to be the first time they played one of these sort of top tier teams. And I wanted to see what they came out with at the bottom of the lineup. And the way Luca Powell looked told me that at least Luca Pau, if not Taki is going to be able to compete down there. And, and maybe it was just a bad match for Taki, but as good as Powell looked, that tells me they can compete at the bottom of the lineup. So yeah, I think Wake Forest can compete. I just still think Virginia with a fully healthy Virginia and that top four that they have and what they're going to have in doubles is it's just not touchable in the ACC. I don't see them dropping an ACC match.
0: Yeah, I I get why. I mean, first of all, Montez, Rodesh, they haven't lost an ACC match. Uh, Kiefer, von der Schoellenberg. Don't worry, I didn't forget about you guys. I know all four seniors, and they get mad when you don't say all four. So again, it's a reflex that's been built up over the years. I don't know if I agree with you, and it's not because I have any doubts about Virginia. It's because I really do believe in this Wake Forest team. Taki clearly is going to run a little hot and cold, but the weapons he has are real. I mean, no one has earned more clout over the course of the past weekend than DK Suresh, who coming from the NAIA, Georgia Gwinnett, like – man every coach must feel like they whiffed massively in not adding him to their roster the size the length the speed the weapons the fact that sometimes he drives through the backhand maybe better than his forehand even though he seems so determined uh, to hit slices on that backhand wing at times and yet for a guy his size like oh my god he moves extraordinarily well and so i continue to be thoroughly impressed by everything uh, we saw from him Coons is not going to be handed a loss like that at five with much frequency. And, you know, again, I think this was a particularly poor matchup for him, given the aggression of Max dead. Like, how would he face against a Kiefer, a or a Virginia team still trying to figure out who belongs where at those five and six spots? I'm a believer. Like I, I do, you know, again, Maroney, good, not great. At the one spot, obviously, you'd have to lean Rodesh there if we're doing the hypothetical matchup. Here's what I'm saying is, Wake Forest is a top-eight seed. Like, they are in the outskirts of the inner conversation, which most top-eight team eight teams probably figure themselves to be.
2: Yeah, I think they're definitely in that. You know, there's, there's, there's that top-four group, and then I think they're in that conversation of the next four that are going to be able to, to challenge for a top-eight seed. Absolutely. I think your point is valid. They will be able to, with what they showed today, I think they can battle Virginia at the five, six spots. I just don't, I think Virginia, again, Virginia is just too good in the top four for the rest of the ACC. And that that's the separator for me. Again, all predicated on a 100% healthy Inyaki Montez, which remains to be seen.
0: Let's go to a tiebreaker here. Intern Archit Suresh is with me here in our studio at the uh, Milstein Family Tennis Center. Archit. Wake Forest, Virginia, let's say it's in Winston-Salem. I'll go check the schedule in a moment. You think Wake Forest can win that match?
1: Well, I think they certainly can. I think it's just more so... Well, first of all, I want to know, is Inyaki serving in this or is he serving underhanded? If we're saying it's Inyaki serving underhanded as it is, then I think Wake Forest can definitely take that. I just think at some point... Virginia just has the juice at the top of the lineup, whether it's Rodesh who I would, I wouldn't pick Rodesh to lose at all. He's firmly at the top of my, the guy list. Rodesh is the guy he's winning at one. I think again, it kind of just depends. I think I'd pick Dietrich. i would never pick against von de And I just, I just think Virginia would find a way at the bottom of the lineup. Even if they lost a couple of points, I wake forest would definitely need doubles in that case for me. Uh, well, I so let me help you. Let me let me help that you that out here. We'll this
2: this match happens in 12 days from now, 12 days from now, that match. And it's in Charlottesville. So. In 12 days, I don't think we're going to see an Inyaki fully serving overhead.
0: I think that's a fair assumption to make, Chris, pointing out that in 12 days, uh, Archit can't hear. Chris, for our listeners, that's why I'm repeating myself. They play in 12 days. It's in Charlottesville. Unlikely in can serve over Yeah,
1: unlikely Inyaki. I'm going to pick Wake Forest in that one. though. Ooh, Archit again. And wow.
0: no relation. Let the record show. Best yeah, joke. Come Archid on. Says- he's like a
2: 43rd cousin, and that's why he's doing it. But... I uh, just want you to know
0: that the best joke made today was Archer walks in, he goes, "God damn it!" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "I'm not even the best Suresh in the building today." And I was like, "That's pretty funny." I was like, "You have my attention, This That's why we
1: keep I him mean, around. That's pretty much sorry. the answer Shout when you walk TK into Suresh's any building with
2: any Indian people. In Archie. it's away
1: from where I live. Yeah. So I'm not even the best Suresh in my home state. <laughs> Some would argue maybe. Again,
0: the scholars are discussing who's the top Suresh in the state of Georgia. Appreciate you tuning in, Archie. I'm going to come to you again at the end for a prediction for the final. But Chris like I, I, I do think, again, Wake Forest certainly in the inner – not in the inner circle, but on the top eight radar in a way they just weren't yeah. prior to the start of these national indoor championships. That said, it's a dream final. It's an NCAA semifinal rematch. By the way, a match that got a little chippy between Ohio State and TCU last season. And look, I'm going to make this rant repeatedly on the broadcast, so I'll try not to do it with too much depth and too annoyingly here, but there's a lot of similarities, a lot of similarities between where these two programs are right now and what they mean to the broader college tennis landscape. On the one side of the equation, obviously you have an Ohio State squad that's done everything but Win an NCAA title, two-time national indoor champions, countless uh, national champions in singles, doubles produced from the program at various NCAA and ITA events. They've also been a staple of top five success. I've said it before. I'll say it again. They are the litmus test of good versus great in college tennis. You can't beat Ohio State. You're only in the good category. If you somehow manage to beat the Buckeyes, your team has to be considered great moving forward. On the flip side, it's a little bit more recent, but it's 10 consecutive top 10 finishes for head coach David Roditi and the TCU Horned Frogs. They are in a third consecutive national indoor final, looking to be just the second program to win three straight national indoor titles. And again, a program that's done everything but like, they've produced top professionals in Cam Nori, others out in the pro tennis world. They've had players make deep runs at national collegiate events, whether it be singles, doubles, etc. Obviously, Roditi's ability to recruit exceptional as well. It's a really good match, Chris. Before we start breaking down match calculus, which I want to get from you, I'm curious your read on this one, where these two programs sit. How excited you are for the podcast, uh, for the podcast, oh, I- for the final.
2: Yeah, I mean look, this is the final we all wanted to see. I'm super pumped. Two-time defending champ TCU facing what I think has to be the favorite in, in Ohio State. They're the top seeds. They come in much like they have been, you know, in past years. Uh it's it's going to be a great match. I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing the doubles. Uh I I'll, I'll say this, I think doubles will come down to that two spot. I think the Kingsley Tracy assuming that Ohio state rolls out the same doubles. I have no doubt. TCU is going the same. Ohio state has options. I assume they'll still roll Kingsley Tracy at two and probably cash and Bernard at three. If that happens, I think that two doubles match is probably the swing match. Uh, And I just got to like Ohio state in, in doubles. They've even though they struggled their first couple matches, they're just—they're so good at double. I, those to me were aberrations. They're so good at dubs. I—I I gotta like them there, and uh, and then we'll just get rolling into the singles. Well,
0: look again to hear JPJ so bluntly and honestly be like, "God, it would be really nice if we." Yeah, got
2: them even he hands. knows they're the underdog in doubles. Yeah. That was- yeah.
0: That was delightful, but neither team's playing well in doubles right now. Like I think that's safe to say. And there's just too much talent, too many pieces. And then, by the way, the added dynamic of it's a national final. Where where are the nerves for each of these teams? Uh, how does that factor into what we see unfold through the first hour of play as the doubles point can sometime carry into? You're taking Buckeyes in the doubles. And I'm getting predictions from you from every category as well. Who are you taking in the doubles?
1: Well, I can't pick against the Buckeyes to lose three doubles points in one tournament. So I'm going to go with Ohio State, even though I think the doubles points more important for TCU in this one. At it,
2: Look
0: at our young man growing up. That analysis is so much better than the s*** sh- gave us in Orlando, Chris. Like, we got an intern on the rise here. I'm really impressed. Uh, I love that answer. I Spot on, my friend. Spot on. I got nothing to add to it. Let's go through all the singles positions, Chris. Number one spot, Juicy. It's Fernley versus Kingsley.
2: What do we got? Where are you leaning? Ah, I mean this is a three-set battle, and I, I just—I mean, unless the match comes down to four-three, or they—they they actually could. I mean, maybe I'm trying to think if they be if they finish if it's not four-three. Like, who's going to be? I mean, there are definitely guys. Neither of these guys are soft, so there are definitely guys that that might play longer points than them, and so this could finish in three, uh, even in a match that doesn't go four-three but i think if i if i have to play it out i think i'm going to take fernley
1: archit i'm going to lean kingsley just off the form i saw a few days ago i he put on a clinic the other night but honestly i just i i'm 50-50 on that one but i'm going to lean kingsley even though i think fernley has yeah, literally everything it takes to win that match it's going to be a really- this is awesome
2: for for the record archit cannot hear me at all right he can't hear you at all. That is Oh, so, so his takes have nothing to do with what I've said. So this is great. All have right. Have
0: absolutely zero to do with what you say. That's why they're so funny to me. That's why I yeah, really yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. the only person who gets to hear both and I'm yeah. really yeah. enjoying it. Me and the listeners. So yeah. Again, this is great. I'm, I'm praying he wants to know who you picked. I'm I'm not even going to tell him. He'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. That's the work we make our interns do. Oh. I'm hoping there's going to be a take where you guys like repeat each other verbatim and that's when you're just going to hear me start dying with laughter. Anyways, He's leaning Kingsley, Chris Helioris leaning relatively unfinished, unless this comes down to a 4-3 thriller. I would just point out, and we haven't talked about it enough, Kingsley's playing at home. He's in New York for the first time. He's talked to me about how much that means to him to finally have a chance to easily play in front of his family. It's a really good match at one. How about court number two, Chris Helioris, JPJ versus Boulet. It feels like that one might be a must for TCU
2: i mean it it feels that way i'll I'll say this i'm i'm again i'm going to lean jpj but now i've leaned tcu in both of them and i don't think tcu sweeps the top two i think they split but i will so i'm going to come out of here in my in in my calculus i'll say they split the top two But I I like JPJ better here. And if if I think they end up splitting, then I'll say it's probably JPJ here and Kingsley at one. But either of these two matches, I think, can go either way. They're both ridiculously close. Good prediction by you, Archit Suresh.
1: Well, I didn't know we were allowed to lean unfinished and cop out on predictions here. But (laughs) but first of all, (laughs) may I just say, does Boulay not look like if Dennis Shapovalov was just coached by Ty Tucker?
0: <laughs> okay. No, but yes, I see what you're saying. That's yes. funny. That's very funny.
1: Okay. More specifically, this might be my favorite match on the board. Both these guys can put up electrifying tennis. Um, I'm going to lean JPJ just because it feels like TCU needs that one, but I think he's just going to bring the fire in that specific moment. Fair
0: enough. Again, Chris Heller was predicting a split of the top two. Archie a little bit more comfortable riding with JPJ. Court number three, Tracy taking on Vivez, Chris Helioris, your thoughts on that one?
2: This is all JJ here. I mean, there's no no ifs, ands, or buts about this one to, uh, to use a line that was quoted as needs to be a drinking game when Gruskin says it in the chat. But yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts. JJ Tracy. I mean, Vives just—it's it, not his preferred surface. JJ's looked awesome. He's got to be the the heavy favorite coming into this one.
1: Architz Rush. Well, you guys have talked about this at length, but I've just been so impressed with how JJ Tracy has looked at this tournament and just how he looks at during this period of time in the gear. As much as I think Vivez has the talent to beat him, and he's certainly shown it with his fall result—not well, fall results and pro results from previously—I just, I'm not picking against Tracy here. I'm gonna lead JJ Tracy. I have no problem
0: with the reasoning from either of you. Obviously, I've been the first to beat the drum. Vivez showed me something today, and it's a little slower here in Colombia than it is over in Flushing. It's going to be a good match. Like, I I get it. Again, Tracy indoors. We've just seen him win this match, it feels like, so many times. But I'm excited for that one. Number four singles position, Gorsny taking on Anthrop. Do we need to play any other match in the building tomorrow? Like, I might like that one more than JPJ Boulay, more than anything we've discussed thus far. Just fascinating talents. Two guys, I'm sure, know each other's games pretty well as they were both pretty successful juniors uh, during their time. Chris Halliores, which way you lean in?
2: Yeah, this this is to me is the epitome of that 50-50 match. I mean, the, I definitely. They, these guys have both looked great. Uh, look, I'm already at... Uh, I'm at three for Ohio state and I want to see finally, I finally want to see a four, three match. And we all know, given everything I've said so far that I'm taking Bernie at six. So it's already over. I'm taking Ohio state. So to get the four, three, I have to say that it's Gorsney here. I honestly have no clue, uh, but there's a little more experience. I think on the, on the Gorsney side there, I will probably I would go like fifty one percent Goresny and forty-nine Anthrop. This is gonna be a great match. I'll be shocked if this is not a three setter uh here. And I'll say Goresny is I'll give the edge to Gorsny. Archit Suresh.
1: Well, I like the weapons of Anthrop more in this one. I I genuinely believe that serve forehand combination can take him to a win, but I just I think I like the totality of things that Gorsny does better on a court and like He's just such a fun athlete to watch. He's so fluid for his size, and like he's so lengthy. Just, like I'm going to go Gorsny because I feel like this is one they're going to need. Gorsny, JPJ, to me, are the ones that I feel most like most confident in picking TCU in yeah. the singles. Mm-hmm. Archit
0: leaning on the TCU sophomores. So, again, two guys who can do a lot of things. That's going to be a really fun match. Two guys, by the way, with series pro upside as well, so we'll keep our eyes on that four spot. Number five, I just want to remind everyone, I was there. For the 2012 National Indoors in person, calling the event semi finals. Ohio State played TCU. The match swung entirely in a matchup between Louis Maxted and Robert Cash at the number six singles position. Cash was out in front, had four break point chances to give himself a chance to serve for the first set. He had an over, uh, excuse me, a forehand on top of the net that he missed into the net. I've told this story before. Crow lets off a healthy F-bomb because he knew that was their moment. Max Stead pulls away from there in what was ultimately a victory for TCU. Now we're two years later, but we get a rematch between the two. And again, Louis Maxted has never lost a match inside. Obviously, Robert Cash has lost, what, one indoor match over the past two and a half years? Something crazy like that. Chris Hallioris, your read on the number five singles position.
2: Yeah, this this is another really fun one. We all know how good Robbie Cash is, uh, especially indoors, but he's just good, period. He's going to put pressure on Max Stead. he's not going to sit back there and rally with him. Max Stead's never lost a match indoors. It's going to be really fun, I think. I feel like you got to give that edge to Max Stead potentially. But, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, I I think Cash remembers that match. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Robbie Cash delivers Louis Max at his first loss indoors.
0: It's a bold pick by Chris Halliores. What say you, Archit Suresh?
1: Well, I'm going to lean Robbie Cash in this one, but I, you said it. Max, no, sorry. Max said doesn't lose indoors. Cash also doesn't lose indoors. I, I just like the weapons of Cash a little bit more. I think he's feeling a little more confident based off the two matches that I've seen from him. I, I'm going to lean cash
0: agreement between our, our two analysts here today. And then last, but certainly not least six singles. We kind of already talked about, so I'm not even going to throw it to you guys. Like Bernie's lost seven games in three matches. There is a pathway always for Tomas. Irusek. Do not write him off. In fact, when you write him off, I would argue was when he's at his most dangerous, by the way, he turned in his stinker for the weekend today. So I think there's only going to be improvement from him from a level perspective, but Look, obviously, at six, Bernie is the biggest difference maker right now. He is the most outstanding player on this Buckeyes roster, the difference between him and everyone else. So with that said, final words belong to you, Chris Hallioris. Give me your prediction on how this one shakes out your final read on tomorrow's national indoor final.
2: I'm going to say that if we're going to get the 4-3 that we finally want to see, I think TCU has to win doubles I don't think it happens, and I'm going 4-2 Ohio
1: State. 4-2 Ohio State, the pick from Chris Archit-Suresh, your pick. Well, we're in agreement once again because I was also going to go 4-2 Ohio State. I just think they're going to get off on the right foot, probably take doubles, and I just think they have too much depth across the lineup for TCU to really hang with for much longer than what they can
0: well when coach rodini knocks over our cameras tomorrow we'll know why it's because both of you predicting against his horned frogs
1: and gruskin copping out on a prediction because he's doing the broadcast.
0: oh you mean being extraordinarily professional you know what you just did Archit. you just gave me an excuse to unplug your microphone so
1: thank (laughs) you for that
0: i was looking forward to doing so anyways no uh it's gonna be a fantastic tennis match and obviously we are looking forward to presenting it to all of you college tennis fans at home coverage kicks off 12 p.m. Eastern Time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel will be myself, Mike Hation, on the call one last time. As again, we enjoy the celebration of what has been an outstanding weekend of play, the National Indoor Championship. Monday, noon Eastern time, Ohio State versus TCU. That said, that'll do it. It went. Far over today's podcast than I expected. I know Chris Hallioris, you got to go celebrate a birthday, a happy birthday to your oldest daughter, whom we all love dearly here at Cracked Rackets. And, you know, again, please do send my love as always. A thank you to you. A thank you, of course, to our CR intern, Archit Suresh. Sincerely, all the additional angles, the enhanced broadcast features of our Crack Rackets display here during these national indoors wouldn't happen without his tireless efforts. So shout out to you, Archit. You're the man. And thank you, as always, for taking the time to join us on the show. And then, of course, last but not least, shout out, as always, to the super producer, Daniel Westa for the f*** up any job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. That said, that'll do it for our semifinal recap finals preview show for the fantastic. Chris Hallioris, our intern, Archit Suresh, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, Archit, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. hey. Great oh, shot.
1: Great oh, we shot. Tried. Oh. They tried. We're leaving wait, that wait. in
2: for sure. There we, is tried, we tried to sync with Archit. Oh, the horrible. problem is when you try
0: to sync, it never goes well. So I'll leave it for you. You know what we say. Hey great shot and we will see you all next time. Thanks everyone.